Hey there, it's Carolyn. Before we start today's podcast, I wanted to tell you about a brand new challenge that we have starting over in the Homestead Kitchen membership really soon. This one is all about making your very own herbal oils and culinary oils and cosmetic oils and turning them into salves and balms for your herbal medicine cabinet. If you're interested in joining me for the Herbal Oils and Salves Challenge, then go to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Again, that's homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Hey, you guys, it's Josh and Carolyn with Homesteading Family, and welcome to this week's episode of the Pantry Chat Food for Thoughts. The sun's coming out out here in the front pasture, and uh, you can see it's getting bright. <laughs> but today we are back. We've been away for a while with new baby arriving and mm. uh, getting settled into life with new baby. Yeah, this is the first episode for you and I in couple months. A couple of months. Now. And it's great to be back here hanging out with you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's good to be hanging out with you too. We feel a little out of practice maybe. <laughs> and there's a lot going on. I don't know how much you guys can hear in the background. We're out in the front field. The river is right over there and it is rushing right now. It's that time of year where the river is just completely full. And then we've got a son who's doing something with a saw in the background. He's making some pig boards. Making pig boards. Pig boards are little panels that you hold when you're moving pigs mm. to help direct them and, and make sure that they you don't get a tusk in the leg or anything like that. That's if, a good idea. And, and that's not usually a risk, but they, our boar's got some big old tusks. So He's a nice guy. He's a very nice is. guy. He's mm. very nice, but you don't want a boar to get annoyed with you when you're moving him around. So. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. yeah, and it is. It is spring out here, and not only are we first time back together uh, doing the show, it, uh, it's the first time we're outside filming, I think. I know, for the, the year spring. it is. Yeah. It feels yeah. really it's nice. so nice to be out here, even though it is a little bright. It is a little bright, so if I'm squinting and going like this, <laughs> hopefully you can see me. I can't see you. <laughs> so we're kind of finding our groove. We've had a lot of transition, obviously, with a uh, new baby in the house, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit and yeah. how Carolyn's been doing, and just going to kind of catch up today and and uh, Carol, I'll get back in the rhythm here. Yeah, we've got some of your questions you've been asking on videos that we're going to answer also. So yeah, well, I think you know, I think the biggest thing right now really is just how are you doing? Yeah, how, you know, and uh, how you feeling? We're what Nathaniel is almost just, two months. Just two months. Yesterday, he was two months oh, old. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. the time just flies, you know, goes goes really fast. So I am doing really well. I've had a great recovery. We ended up having a really good home birth. Everything went very smoothly and actually quite fast. I, I called the midwives and they arrived at our house at 11 p.m. on the day that I had Nathaniel. And when they arrived, I had the thought of, oh, I called them too soon. They're going to end up having to sleep on the couch. I shouldn't have called them too soon. 
And then he was born within about an hour and a half, an hour and 45 I was going to say, so. technically, it was the day before he arrived, <laughs> right? right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was born, uh, I think, right before one o'clock in the morning. So. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty quick. So it, it kind of came on, went really You're fast. You're speedy. Just, just uh, well, you know, time's here. Let's get it done and move on to the next thing. Baby number 10. So. Yeah, you're, you are a professional. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a profession that I want, I've got to say. <laughs> but, uh, but everything went really well. And I did something different in this recovery than what I've done in past ones. I actually followed some of the, there's a, there's a name for it, and I wish I could pronounce this correctly. Um, so I'm not even going to try but the postpartum kind of lying in period that uh, the way that the Chinese culture does it. And a little yeah. bit, you're supposed to go a full 40 days. I just couldn't do it. But I did eat very specific meals for about the first 20 days. Um, and I think it really helped my recovery. I ate a lot of bone broth a lot of liver, just a lot of really, really nutrient-dense things. I wasn't supposed to have anything cold, only hot or warm or room temperature. And um, those are the geese, if you're hearing those in the background. Well, there are our native geese, or our um, homestead geese, uh, yeah, our talking geese. to the, the migrating Wild Canada geese, geese. That are uh, coming through here. Um, so anyways, I think that really, really helped with my recovery. Uh, and another thing that I thought was really interesting is it's, it's very normal after having a baby to start losing hair. Like you shed hair and that's a normal thing. And usually I think I'm going to go bald. I lose enough that I get like handfuls of hair. You haven't though. You haven't even come close. I've never gone bald. No. However. I'm thankful on, for that. I, I am too. <laughs> um, on this round, and I think it was because of those meals, I never even lost the normal amount of hair. So I think that's very interesting. I think that's just because of the big nutrient boost of having that type of... I eat liver every day for two weeks right after I had the baby. And um, luckily, I don't mind liver. I kind of like it. But uh, I think that kind of nutrition and all that bone broth and healing soups... Yeah. really help my body to recover really quickly. Yeah, you did a good, you did a great job taking care of yourself and resting. This okay. is not a gal that just sits still <laughs> all day long. <laughs> even even after, a, even after a major event like having a baby. And uh, you did a great job at um, pacing yourself <laughs> and giving yourself time to recover. And I think that was really wise. It, I think it really helped me too. I feel like I'm coming back strong. That's good. You're looking good, too. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> and the baby's doing great. He's gaining weight. He's a good eater and a good sleeper. And he's uh, highly opinionated, just like all the rest of us in this family. He's got Papa's furrowed brow already. I don't he know does. if that's a good thing. But he's like, even this morning, he was kind of looking at me. like, <laughs> And I don't really think he's thinking anything. But he just goes through all these facial expressions. <laughs> he does. He does have kind of a, like, his, his static look looks grumpy me when I read. Yeah, you look, you look, when you concentrate, you look kind of grumpy. Yeah. It's just, you're not, but, oh well. So anyways, his smiles light everything up. Yours do too, but Nathaniel's too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they sure do. We love getting those first smiles, don't we? We really do. Yeah. Those are always, uh, always a good thing. I got a, a morning with them 
couple mornings ago. You were sleeping in, and I'd brought him down, and, and maybe it was a little bit of a rough night or something. <laughs> yeah, and changed his diaper and, and got to hang out with him there on the floor for a little bit in the living room. And we just had a blast for like 10, 15 minutes of smiles and even a little giggle. That, that just that just warms you up. So sweet. <laughs> makes your day. Yep. So much fun. Okay, so what else is going on around here? Like, what have you been up to here around the homestead? Wow. Because in North Idaho, when spring hits, it hits fast and hard. Well, the joke around here with ourselves on our homestead, but even talking to people coming and going, is that we went from winter to August very quickly. So it was like one day the snow had just gone, but we were still getting 20 degree lows mm -hmm. to all of the, you know, and highs in the 50s or so to all of a sudden uh 80 90 degrees where, where did that yeah come and from? out of that nowhere like, so um, it was pretty wild anyways yeah that kind of was just like you know turning a fire hose on and we went from cold and starting to ease into like okay spring is coming to wow everything's exploding there's like grass here on the terraces that need to be weed whacked and uh got to start getting ready to get animals out on the pasture right. matter of fact we're getting the coonies out of the barn uh, that's what Connor's working on as soon as oh, he gets those and boards you guys done. I may not have heard, but we had a litter, the first litter of Cooney Cooney piglets here we on sure the did. homestead. They are cute little things. We had a lot and of babies this year. We had a lot of babies this year. It was a baby year. We had, what, nine lambs? Nine lambs, eight tunies. We've had three, three calves. We're waiting for one more, which is the dairy cow. Yeah, so which we're she's not in milk yet, but we will be soon. Technically, doing a couple days, though. I think she's going to be a bit late. She's not showing yet. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's just it's just kind of full on spring and and lots of planting going on. You've got stuff going in the terraces right here, and I think um, we were eating fresh veg out of the garden. The end of April. Earliest for this property. Yeah. Our other property before we moved here, I think we could get a little bit earlier. It was a little <laughs> and that sun comes better. It, like, it is. But yeah, so getting the guard the main crop prepped and yeah. and we didn't get we didn't get it prepped in the fall. Usually we get it composted and our shavings down and, and winter came in fast. So yeah, we had the opposite in or maybe it's the same thing. Last fall, it was just beautiful, totally temperate. And it just, it, it just, it turned off and, and then snowed. literally overnight, it, yeah. it froze. And I'm sure we're still waiting to see how the fruit trees fared and if they'll all survived in the area. Starting to see some budding. They're, they're, everything's, everything here is looking good. So we're having these really fast season changes all of a sudden this last year. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Seems like it. It's, uh, it's. Along. So yeah, we're playing catch up with that and we added, uh, working on the barn, we got some new stalls in because we've got goats coming. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've followed us for a while and hung out, you know, we're not goat people. Goats are great. We love you if you are goat people. Um, we're not. We like the, we like a dairy cow for multiple reasons. We just feel she gives us fits, fits a niche in the homestead a lot better mm -hmm. uh, with milk production and even the fertility that she adds through her manure and everything. Uh, besides that, she's much easier to keep in a fence. 
But we have a daughter who is wanting to work with goats after getting to meet Anne of all trades. And uh, so she's been studious for a year prepping for this. She has. She and has studied every book she can get her hands on on goats. And she's doing it as a business as well. So she's happy to contribute to the homestead. Mm -hmm. I don't know that we need more milk, but it would be great to have some goat cheese. And Absolutely. That milk can even be fertility on your homestead. It can feed other animals. That's a whole nother story. I just had a great time spending some time with Sean and Beth Dorr independent farmstead if you don't have that book it should be on your shelf um, but they're real focused on on the cow and what she can do for the homestead anyways goats we've got goats coming that's going to be a new experience for us thankfully abigail's going to manage them abigail's going to manage them <laughs> hopefully she can manage them a little better than we can apparently manage them and keep them in fence a little bit better um, but we have two nubian does on their way mm -hmm. in milk right in milk so um so this is we're jumping right in yeah she's jumping right in <laughs> oh she is yeah and they all helped so we had the section of the barn that we hadn't made stalls out of yet it was just kind of storage and and everybody teamed up earlier this spring and got that all built and and um so here they come here in a couple weeks i think we just there gotta go are. get them now this year you kind of touched on it in the in the terrace gardens that uh, we were eating the earliest mm -hmm. but uh, for, for having a baby i actually did the best that i've ever done on getting the timing right on starting plants inside mm -hmm. um, and having them under lights and growing in time to get out the soonest that we possibly could so we were able to get things out in cold frames a month earlier than we can normally get anything out yeah. here in the terrace garden specifically i had plants out when there was still snow on the ground in the main garden yeah which which is really exciting for us because with such a long winter here in north idaho um and such a short growing season it's really helpful to be able to extend that in whatever way we can, be able to eat fresh out of the garden as long as we can. Well, and there's a good little story there for people because you might just be hearing this and wondering, well, you know, it's the same piece of property. It's not very far apart. Why is there no snow here? Why can you get something out here where we still can't even hardly get into the other garden, which is just on the other side of the house. It's close. And really that's just using the land and looking for niches and spaces um, that... Uh, accelerate the season, right? So in, in this case, being in this northern climate that we're in, we had this slope off the front of the house that's south and southwest facing. Yeah. And so we made terraces out of those because those spots are the very first to lose their snow uh, as it starts to warm up. And so that's just an opportunity waiting, which we're now being able to leverage. We put yeah. the terraces in a couple of years ago and it's taken time to get fertility going and do a few different things. And now it's starting to pay off. Well, and that reminds me right of that uh, permaculture principle that you talk about a lot. I'm not a very patient person, so this is not my favorite principle, but that's observing, you know, the observation side and observing your land for, if you can, a couple of years before you make things permanent. Before, yeah, before you do big things that are hard to undo. Because slower. by observing our land, we were able to see, boy, the snow always melts here first. Mm -hmm. You know, there are certain places that the snow just melts, it heats up, it just has the right solar gain with the hillside, all of those different things. So that's an ideal place to have some early spring vegetables. And uh, so that's what we did is we turned it into a terrace garden and we're really taking advantage of that space 
for that early spring niche and for the late fall too. Mm -hmm. Well, and we're fortunate that it's right outside the house and right outside yeah. the kitchen. So it's actually an extension of your cottage garden. And that's just another good location. And it's hard right. sometimes to put all the pieces together. You want the location right. You want the aspect and the exposure right. We got blessed that we've kind of got all got of it, it in this right spot. There. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, want to jump into a few questions for today? Sure. Yeah. Let me pull them up. I couldn't get the printer to work, so I'm reading them. It's all right. Off Save a little phone. paper. There we yeah. go. <laughs> okay. So, John Spruit on Wildcraft and Make Your Own Arnica Oil asks. I have been researching comfrey salves and I'm wondering if you can add arnica as a double whammy for sore joints and muscles. Ooh, love that idea. Yes, you absolutely can. Um, the, the arnica should not go into anything that has open skin though. So you wanna make sure you're not putting those on any cuts or abrasions if you're making a, uh, a comfrey salve and then you're adding the arnica into it. It really does need to just be for um, sore muscles and joints well, sprain, and, and pains and bruises. sprains and anything like that. Yeah, bruises, that'd be a great one. So yes, you can absolutely do that. That would be a great combination for anything that is doesn't have open skin. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good one. I like that thinking. We're just getting back to the season where it's almost arnica foraging time yeah. right now. So we'll be doing the same ourselves here. Let's see, Melody Riley Pike asks, are there any advantages to canning over freezing? Ah, that's a good one. Yes, I think there are actually a lot of advantages of canning over freezing. And that is mainly that you don't have to use your freezer space. Right. You're not, well, and the energy, the, the ongoing energy. energy. I mean, it right. takes energy to can. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing an actual energy audit, right. it's going to depend on how long it's in the freezer and you have right. to get very technical, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah. you're still dependent on that freezer. Your freezer goes bad and you don't know it. Yeah. Power goes out. You don't have a backup, you know. It's not the same as having it canned on, on the shelf. Absolutely. The other thing is just that is that you don't have to defrost things because it's not frozen. Yeah. So it's really, really wonderful to have canned goods on the shelf, especially for your convenience type meals because of that last minute, like, oh, I don't have time to make dinner, you know, type right. of moment. And so having some beef stew or some salsa, uh, some, uh, salsa verde chicken or some different meals like that, in cans on your shelf is just a great way to go for like a five minute heat it up and feed your family a great meal. Nice. Of food. The other thing is, is that um, canned food, free, frozen fruit food tastes pretty fresh for about the first six months. Um, but especially if it's a prepared food, a lot of times they say don't even store, you know, a lot of the pre-prepared foods for longer than about three months to six months, um, the quality just really starts to decline. Whereas canned goods kind of stay the same for easily a whole year. They start to lose a little bit of value um, after about the year mark, but it's actually a really gradual decline after that. Yeah. So if you want a little bit longer storage, canned goods usually the better way to go yeah. from that too. Good. Good. Okay. Let's see, Glinda Hartfield asks, 
what brand of salt do you recommend for fermenting? I use the Redmond Real Salt because that's what we use in the house for our normal everyday salt. But you just want some sort of salt that doesn't say table salt on it and it's non-iodized. And the reason for that um, is because iodine is a natural antibacterial, right? That's why they put it on cuts, or mm -hmm. they used to. I don't know yeah. if they do that anymore, but when I was a kid, you would put iodine mm -hmm. on cuts. It was very normal. Um, and so you don't want anything in your ferment that's antibacterial because you're trying to actually grow bacteria right. in a ferment. So whatever you use for eating, as long as it's not one of those two things is fine. I really recommend the mineralized salt. Again, that would be like a, a sea salt or Redmond real salt is great. Um, uh, 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 Celtic sea salt, Celtic sea yeah. salt would be good too. Yeah. Um, so there, a Himalayan salt would be fine. They're all good. I'm, I'm going to really hold Redmond up though. Um, one, because we've used Redmond for our animals across the board for, for nearly 20 years, and it's just been a great product. Yes. Two, we've been there, we've seen the process at Redmond, and they're, they're not pulling the salt apart and putting it back together and a lot of things that happen in the salt industry because they're mining it right, right out of the ground. They're not doing evaporative or other ways that some of these other salts, even mineralized salts are doing you're getting just real pure, it's why they call it real salt. It's it's actually not fancy marketing, it's real salt, it's mineralized. And so just, I think if you can, you can also get it in bulk from them, which is always a great right. deal for us as homesteaders. Um, so I, I think while all those work, True. Yep. I, I just want, I want to push Redmond because it's, it's a good product. Absolutely. We stand behind it. Yeah, yeah, we do really like Redmond. Okay, let's see. Uh, Brian Howe asks on the DIY greenhouse or the hoop house, how is it under a snow load? Yeah, it's not good. It <laughs> not doesn't good. take much of a snow load. So uh, that design, you've got to pull the plastic off. What we learned to do last year was just instead of pulling it off and pulling it away, which was a whole nother job, we just pulled it off and folded up and laid it down on one side so it stayed attached. It was laying in a row. And then the spring, we just pulled it back over. Yeah. And, and that worked just fine. And uh, I did see an interesting design where they took the cattle panels and instead of being rounded over, they actually, they, they actually made, and I don't know what the technical is called, but it was almost an A-frame. Well, speaking of being out of practice, immediately after this last section, we actually ran out of battery power, so we had to cut it short. But um, just wanted to wrap up and say goodbye to you guys. We will be all back in normal style in the upcoming weeks. We'll get back into the swing of things here for the Pantry Chats. And I wanted to share with you that the latest edition of the In the Homestead Kitchen magazine is just out. It's all about peas, how to grow them, how to cook them, how to preserve them. And it is so exciting to see. Now, as I always say, this is a digital-only magazine. Yes, I am holding one here in my hands, but this is the only copy in existence, physical copy. So it's a digital-only magazine for the time being. 
Um, but you can jump in and get your monthly In the Homestead Kitchen magazine delivery. Uh, I'll put the link below. And you guys, it's been great hanging out with you, but I'm gonna cut it short this week and we will see you soon with a full pantry chat. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.